0: Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. In English, we refer to it as the gospel, which is actually an Anglo-Saxon word that means good story or good news. And when we refer to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're referring to the truly good news of Christ's coming his teaching and his salvation which is revealed to us in Holy Scripture. However, that said, it's also true that this good news, at least when we first hear it, doesn't always sound that good to our ears. In fact, sometimes we struggle with this good news and even at times reject it. Well, that's the subject of today's message which is based on Mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 13 and is a message entitled, Taking Offense at Jesus. So here's a little something to think about as we get into the message this morning. It was, in fact, the 19th century Danish philosopher and theologian, Soren Kierkegaard, who once said that the test of a good sermon is not that you heard it, enjoyed it, and went home to Sunday dinner afterwards, but that you heard it and were too sick at heart to eat anything afterward. (laughs) Well, let me just assure you here that if you're planning to go to Sunday brunch after church this morning, you're still good to go. But that said, I do have to say here that Kierkegaard's words speak an enduring truth of which I have become increasingly aware over the years that I have spent in this and other pulpits. And that, simply put, is that preaching is a risky business. Both for the preacher and, you know this, for the congregation. And that's because that The gospel that I have been called to preach, while always good news, is not always what one thinks of as easy to hear. can often veer far from warm and fuzzy in tone and substance, and sometimes ends up as personally intrusive and downright offensive to our ears. The fact is, I'm very much aware that what I do here every Sunday is oftentimes, as was described by an old colleague of mine, that as preachers, we are called both to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. That's not to say that every sermon is like that, or at least I hope not. And let me just say here that even after all these years of preaching week in and week out, almost 39 years now, folks, I still get jazzed by the level of spiritual insight and true joy that we get to discover together here in the pages of Holy Scripture and inspired and led by God's own spirit. Nonetheless, I am aware that for each and all of us, there are scriptural teachings that, shall we say, hit a little too close to home, and not in a good way. And moreover, I am cognitive of the fact that there are times and situations that we preachers tend to even enjoy making hamburger out of the sacred cows of this world, and the sacred cows of our very lives. And let me also add to this that that can be an unsettling and sometimes humbling experience as much for me as it probably is for you. Because here's one thing you should know, and I hope you know this anyway, is that I never preach a sermon from this pulpit that doesn't apply as much to me as it does to anybody else. So if any of you ever have felt singled out in something I've said from this pulpit, know that uh, I've got a mirror in front of me and it's being me, it's said to as well. So all that simply to say that, yes, it can be tough, but that's the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the nature of truth, friends. And believe me when I say to you this morning that if we're doing this right, that is, if you and I have come here to this beautiful temple of God, approaching his word with the kind of attention, honesty, and utter humility that we should, then all of us, preacher and congregation alike, are bound from time to time to leave here a bit shaken up. And actually, this is not exclusive to the worship experience, is it? so often it seems that we find ourselves running headlong up against the difficulties of the gospel that we espouse. And not only for how it affects our lives, but also in how it's heard and received by those around us. I mean, it's one thing to talk about love and peace and hope and joy, quite another sometimes to kind of take those very difficult uh, passages that we claim not to understand that but we really understand all too well, and this kind of conflict comes up sometimes at home with our families at work amongst friends. It even happens at church sometimes, but the fact is is there 's going to be moments. When as Christians, we find ourselves in the very real quandary of whether we should stay true to our convictions of faith or else back off from that for the sake of an easier path or maintaining the status quo or for that matter, not rocking the boat amongst the people around us, amongst even the people we love. Let me give you a very small example of this. I remember one some years ago at a prior church I was serving, Lisa and I were working with another family on some project in the church sanctuary when one of the kids in this family came out with this incredibly racist slur, and not in the way that kids sometimes do when they don't understand what they've said, but this time knowingly via a clearly inappropriate joke that the kids' parents people who were parishioners, people, mind you, who were our friends as well, people who inexplicably thought that what their kid had said was acceptable and even worse, incredibly funny. And suddenly, this pastor is forced into an awkward situation of how to respond to this. Do I ignore what was said? Do I pretend like I didn't hear it? Do I, as people often do in these situations, just chuckle quietly so not to make it a thing? Or do I speak up and calmly, gently, pastorally, but also assertively let this kid, and by extension his parents, know that this kind of hate speech is never appropriate. It's not funny, and it does not belong anywhere, most especially in God's house. Well, of course, as difficult as it might have been, the answer to that question was clear. And as the pastor, I said what needed to be said. And I believe now, as I did then, that it was very important that I did. But truthfully, I'm not sure if our relationship with that family was ever quite the same after that. But in terms of our living in in accordance with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you there was no other choice. And by the way, I tell you this story not because of the time your pastor did the right thing, but rather because of all the other times that he didn't. For you see, the question we inevitably end up facing is not whether the gospel is awkward or difficult, or challenging, or inconvenient. Because, friends, where the world and this culture is concerned, ours is an offensive gospel. And as a gospel people, we are going to run up against our own human sensibilities to say nothing of the ways and means of culture and the people who populate that culture. So the real question, friends, is this. What are we going to do with the gospel when we hear it? How will we respond? Will we choose to truly live under the truth of our faith in God, in Jesus Christ? Or will we choose to take offense at it and thus avoid it altogether? Well, that's what's at the heart of this morning's text from Mark's gospel that Cages read to us, in which Jesus, early in his public ministry, is back amongst his own people. He's gone back to his hometown of Nazareth. Now, this is actually, in my mind, a very interesting little story that has something to say about small towns and local churches. We are told that when Jesus began to teach in the synagogues, at first all the locals were amazed at him. I mean, this was Jesus, hometown boy, local carpenter. Now he's a teacher in the synagogue, and they're saying to one another, where did this man get these things? Where's all this wisdom coming from? I mean, Joseph is a pretty good man, but listen to Jesus. Where did that come from? We didn't know he was that good. That's how it's translated in the message. At first, they're all really impressed. But then something happens. In Mark's version of the story, we're not given any indication of what Jesus was preaching and teaching about there in the temple. Luke's account connects it with uh, Jesus essentially announcing that he was the fulfillment of prophecy as it is detailed in Isaiah. But Mark... Uh, is very succinct in his words, and he's not that specific. We're only told that in one breath, the townspeople are amazed at Jesus. But in the next, they're cutting him down. Small towns and local churches. Something, something that Jesus said or did seemed to provoke controversy and fierce resistance. And suddenly, the golden boy is just a local carpenter isn't this Mary's boy they asked the brother of James Joseph Judas and Simon and don't we know his sisters that in and of itself is quite interesting for a lot of reasons but that's for another time as the message translates this particular part of the passage uh, the townspeople are saying we've known Jesus since he was a kid who does he think he is bottom line People didn't like what Jesus had to say. They took offense at him. And the result of all of this is that Jesus ends up rejected by his own people, his friends, his neighbors, the people he literally grew up with, and his church, his temple. And he couldn't do, we are told, much of anything else in Nazareth anymore. He could not do any miracles there, Mark says, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. We're also told, by the way, by Mark, that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And and that, for me, is actually an amazing little verse because it really speaks to the humanity of Jesus. It gets up close and personal with what he was feeling because I don't care who you are, it hurts to be rejected. And it especially hurts when the people that are rejecting you are the people you thought understood, or at least thought liked you. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. That's also from the message. But Jesus also understood, only in his hometown amongst his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And we understand that, too. It's the same dynamic that often exists between adult children who try very hard to establish their own identity in the shadow of parents and family members who live in the same town. Why newly graduated school teachers, police officers, doctors, even ministers, end up having to tread very dangerous ground going back home to pursue their chosen professions. And that's why Jesus ultimately met with so much resistance from the folks in Nazareth. They knew him. Or at least they thought they did. And maybe because of that, these people would never know him, never try to know him for who he really was. And so the people of Nazareth rejected Jesus. But that's not the end of the story. For Jesus, you see, ultimately, this was not about whether his message was offensive or whether it upset his former Nazarene neighbors. It wasn't even about the pain of rejection. This was about Jesus continuing along the path that God had set before him. It was about embracing God's truth and moving on with it. It is no coincidence that, as Mark tells the story immediately, Jesus takes this experience as an opportunity to teach his disciples, to direct them along the pathways of ministry, and to teach us in the process what is involved in embracing and truly living unto a life of faith in God. Travel light, he says to them. Live modestly and keep it simple. You're not in this for the glory. But you're in it to preach the good news, to sow the seeds of goodness and freedom and redemption. And while you're at it, do what you can to drive out the demons, anoint sick people with oil and heal them. And above all, Jesus says, don't worry about it if you're not welcome, not listened to, but quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene. Just shrug your shoulders. Shake the dust off your feet when you leave. And be on your way. You see, to live the life of faith. Is to let ourselves by, be led by God and Jesus Christ. To let his truth. And our convictions of that offensive truth. To be sufficient for the way. And what Jesus gives to you and me along that way. Is to quote Gary Sims. Is courage. Patience perseverance, along with the assurance that if, quote, we are intentional in our efforts to follow Christ wherever he leads, two things are going to happen. First, we are going to go out into the world and spread the word of Christ without fear of ramification or failure. And second, we will learn to listen To listen to every voice of God that comes our way. For without careful listening, Sims concludes, we'll never hear where we're supposed to go. You know, one of the things we often tend to gloss over when we come together for worship, and I'm afraid this was particularly true through the long months of quarantine we experienced, is that, ultimately, you and I come here to be sent. As wonderful and as inspirational as these times we have together can be and truly are, as wonderful as it is that we are back in this sanctuary, we're not here primarily for that. We are not here primarily for our edification. And we are especially not here for our entertainment. It's not about us, you see. We're in this place today, and every time we gather for worship, first and foremost to give thanks and praise to God for our many blessings. We are here to listen to his life-affirming, redemptive word, and then we are here to respond to that word in faith. You and I are being sent today to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ by word and through our action in the places and amongst all the people of our lives. And that will not always come easily for us. Yes, we will struggle at times with the reality of the radical change that is required of our lives and living. And make no mistake, we will come up against those people, the cultural institutions that take offense to what we believe and what we proclaim and what we live. They will not reject not only what we have to say, but, but also they will reject who we are. They will reject what we represent. You can count on this, friends. It's just the way it is. But to quote Joshua 1 9, we can be strong and courageous and not be terrified. Because what we have, you see, what we proclaim, what we live out there beyond these doors is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that gospel, we find the authority of Jesus, we find the community of the church of which we are a part, and we can embrace and gather the fruit of God's Holy Spirit to keep us doing what is good and what is right. Beloved, my prayer for us today and every day is that we keep on, keeping on, preaching the gospel. Because you know what? We're all preachers. Some of us just don't stand up here in the pulpit And some of us don't necessarily use words in the sermons that we create. But make no mistake, we preach. You preach, I preach. So preach the gospel, dear friends. Preach it at all times and in every way possible. And as that same old colleague I mentioned earlier also said to me, From time to time, especially in moments when I was feeling a little uh, distanced and cast out. Keep the faith, friend, and don't let the turkeys get you down. Preach the gospel, friends, and as you do, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Taking Offense at Jesus, which was recorded at our June the 27th service of worship at East Congregational Church. And by the way, if you're seeking a church home or just happen to be visiting New Hampshire this summer and are looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you join us at East Church. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, or if you prefer, you can always find us via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. Either way, I think you'll be glad you came, and I would love the opportunity to be able to greet you in person. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of this Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day.